Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. Hey, my friends, we are back at Girl on Girl. And as you all know, this time it's going to be a solo P episode. This definitely feels kind of weird that I don't have my partner in crime, SJ, on the other side with me. But you know what? This is what we're just going to have to get used to for the next four months. (laughs) So I hope you guys enjoy it. As you all know, Sarah is on her Southeast Asia adventure If you're not following Sarah on TikTok right now, you can. I would highly recommend it. It is called Run With SJ. And she's just been posting about her going on runs in Sri Lanka, you know, running like a good good old 3K. And it's beautiful. Sri Lanka truly looks like paradise. And I'm extremely jealous of her and miss her so much. But please give Sarah a follow so you can keep up with her adventures as well as she's going to be traveling for the next four months. So for today's episode, I want to introduce you all to my very, very good friend, Ayan Dalal. Ayan is a pansexual South Asian transgender man who is based in Toronto. Ayan and I actually met earlier in 2022, and we instantly became really, really good friends. Our first night hanging out was a night out at Cruise and Tango's in Toronto, where we just danced, we drank, we bonded. It was very, very fun. And we just instantly clicked. It was one of those personalities where we're like, okay, I just know we're going to be really good friends. Even though I feel like most of the friendship is Ion roasting me, but I was lucky that we didn't really get any roast content in this episode. He was being pretty nice to me, which I appreciate that, Ion. In this episode, we do talk about his upbringing in an Indian household while he was trying to navigate his identity and sexuality, because that can be extremely tough. He talks about his upcoming medical surgery and all the things he needed to change within that, which includes a lot of lifestyle changes, which you'll find out in this episode, as well as the lack of trans representation in the media. We talk about media representation on this podcast very, very often. And having Ion's perspective specifically for trans rep is extremely important. We also talk about Brown Boy Beauty. Um, This is a TikTok series where Ion just talks about his experience being a transgender South Asian man. And lastly, how can we all better support the trans community? If you want to keep up with Ion on Instagram, you can follow him at dalal.ion. That is D-A-L-A-L dot A-Y-A-A-N. His TikTok account is at Ion dot Dalal. So that is A-Y-A-A-N dot D-A-L-A-L. And Ion is actually also the director 
of Operations at the Queer South Asian Women's Network. And you may recognize that name because we actually interviewed Ion's partner, Ali Patel. This would have been like last year, way back when, about QSA. So if you want to follow more on QSA as well, you can follow them at Instagram at QSA Network. So that is Q S A W N E T. W-O-R-K. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to this episode. It was truly a pleasure speaking with Ion, and I think you will all get something from this. Lastly, just a little quick like housekeeping thing before we sign off. I don't know if Sarah and I ever really talked about this enough before we get into our episodes, but we would really appreciate if you could leave us a review. I feel like I'm, I feel weird like asking for reviews, but truly that actually helps the podcast a lot. We would love to get your feedback, see what you're liking, see what you're maybe not liking, or if there's any topics you want us to cover, please send us a DM or leave us a review in the comment section. That would be really, really helpful. I know you can leave reviews on Apple and Spotify. Anyway, I'm not going to take up any more of your time, but let's just dive right on in. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this conversation. Ayan, thank you so much for agreeing to do the podcast. Yeah, no worries. I honestly have like, I've been pretty excited to do this. The last time I did a podcast, I was like, I could do this. I could do this for real. I listened to that interview too, the Brown Girl podcast. Yeah, it was it was pretty fun. It was very fluid, like conversation, much like what I've heard from like you and Sarah in the past with other interviews. So I'm like, I like those type of podcasts, not like very serious, like scripted ones. Cause then I get just like nervous. <laughs> so like... for the listeners, if you don't know, Ion and I are actually friends. So it's gonna be the most like easygoing thing. Why are you laughing? We are. <laughs> Nothing, everything, don't worry about it. We're oh, like wow. Friends. I feel like you're going to roast me at some point in this conversation and Sarah's not here to back me up. So I'm just going to be alone on an island over here. Don't cry. <laughs> so I know, probably. But I honestly just wanted to say thank you so much for being a part of the Girl on Girl conversation. And we definitely need someone like you as a guest. So this worked out perfectly. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here as well. Well, for starters, for anyone who doesn't know you, can you start with your name, your pronouns, how you identify to the girl on girlies? Yeah, so my name is Ayan. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. I identify as a transgender man, and I'm also pansexual. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. Nice. Do you remember the first moment that you realized when you were a man? Honestly, for me, I've had a lot of time to think about this, but I don't think it was like a moment for me. I feel like all of my life I've been leading up to just accepting that I was a man because for me, the acceptance, like the self-acceptance was the hardest part. But like ever since I've been two years old, I hated wearing clothes that were like socially like for girls or playing sports that were for boys. Like I felt very uncomfortable. Um, But this past year, like after a lot of just thinking and feeling very safe in my own community, being like around people who were just like with friends with me, regardless of whatever I identified as, like it was really, really like safe place for me to come out. And I was like, yeah, maybe I am. And I remember like the first five people I told, they were just like, oh, cool. And so I was like, oh, great. Okay. So this doesn't really matter at all. Um, But yeah, so my coming out story is basically just like my whole life, just leading up to the point where I 
just accepted that I was a guy. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to know that it seems like everyone was kind of like growing with you in that sense. So when you did come out, it wasn't like this big shock. No, not at all. Yeah. Well, even being pansexual and identifying as a man, how does like, how did that work or how did that feel for you? Like, was there a little bit of a process with that or have you always kind of identified with being pan? No, I actually uh, have been bisexual for the longest time. Um, And I don't know if it's the effects of like testosterone, but I only recently started identifying as pansexual because as your libido increases, um, that's already like pretty generic, but your sexuality changes on testosterone as well, or you have like a potential to. And I just found myself being really attracted to just anybody, regardless of what their gender identity was or how they identified, because I just got really comfortable with emotionally connecting with people, which I haven't been in the past because my own identity had been such a confusion. But as soon as I feel grounded, like I started feeling grounded in myself, I was like, it's very comfortable getting to know people for who they are. And even just like romanticizing just great connections was very important to me. So romantically, I would say I'm pan because for me, it doesn't have to be a sexual attraction. Um, But yeah, as a man, it's a little bit hard because I swear, if you identify as anything but straight as a man, people are just like, oh, you're like, it's just another thing that makes you girlier. But I don't really care because I... I'm already seen as like a pretty feminine man for those people who don't know I'm trans. They just think I'm a man. They're just like, oh, you're very feminine. Mm. And that's okay because I know what they mean. It's just like, I'm very well socialized and respectful. Hey, yes. Amen to that. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I'm just respectful over here. Okay. Not a cis guy. Nightmare. Sorry. I shouldn't even be saying nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) A girl on girl, we're very inclusive, but... Um, do you remember the first person you actually told? I think Allie was the first person I told. Aw, Allie. Shout out to Allie Patel. Um, listeners, you you guys probably know this, but we had Allie on the podcast earlier this year. I want to say we had them on in February or March. I don't think February. Well, yeah, because there's like a little bit. I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit of a story too with like you, you two knowing each other around that time. Yeah. So I don't think it was March because March we were like stuck to each other all the Mm. time. So, and I would have remembered, but Ali had told me about you when we had that night out planned at, for Cruise and Tango's really. But I was told, babe, like this is a professional connection. Like I know her since like like for a podcast and I was like okay cool you know threw on my nicer shirt I swear I wasn't wearing a nice shirt that night but then this professional connection person came along (laughs) and to wear a nicer shirt (laughs) to think of me as a professional connection is hilarious I was like and then for like every time I think about that and then where we are right now I was just like like how in what way was that a professional connection yeah but it was it was funny (laughs) it's really funny to be fair, though, I guess Ali and I hadn't met in person yet. So maybe, you know, we only were on a Zoom interview together. It was a pretty polished interview as much as we were like goofs the whole time. And basically, I think towards the end, I was telling Ali about how single I am or I wanted Ali to matchmake me or whatever. And yeah, we know we know more to that. But anyway, um, <laughs> so I could see how Ali is like, oh, yeah, it's just professional. I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I guess so. But I think it was definitely February. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Maybe whenever we released it. I feel like I was in Vancouver when we released it. I could be so wrong. But anyway, here we are. Allie was the first person I told. It was actually a very funny situation because in the morning I woke up and I was like, you know, like, I just, I think I might be a guy. Would you be okay with like that if I was a guy? And she's like, babe, I've been telling you this for the past like five weeks now. Like, come on, get on with the, like, it was just, it was funny because everybody around me knew and Allie was just trying to like get my friends and family to like strike up the conversation because it wasn't like Allie was pressuring me. It was more just like she knew, but they were like, I don't want to be the one to directly tell you. I just of want course. you to like think about it yourself. And so she like was like, hey, why don't you hang out with this person? Like they and then they asked me a question and I was like, whoa, weird. Yeah, it was all like conspiracy by Allie, though. So very grateful. Yeah, grateful to have that support. But also I understand the feeling of sometimes when people say, oh, we kind of knew that it it can be it can be weird to receive because it is something you should figure out on your own. But at the same time, they're coming from such a good place. So it's already you know, you're entering a safe space in that sense. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. I felt like like I felt very comfortable coming out after Ali had said that she already knew because as soon as I said it, it was like, okay, babe, like this is the process. I've done all the research. Here you go. And I there's like a whole file on my Google Drive that says Ion's transition, in which there are files upon files going over how to inject your testosterone, how to get your prescription, how to change your name. And it's all just like resources that Ali set up for me just so I have to like click a button and then input my information and then it was ready to go wow Um, that's so helpful yeah it was so helpful because I was like the more I have to step back and just think about it or see my dead name I was like so uncomfortable with it but that whole process has just been like taken care of and it was amazing every time I get a like a prescription refill Ali like crosses off my legal name and then writes my writes Ayan beside it and it's just it's just those little things that I was like, this is perfect. It means a lot. It yeah. does. Well, I'm really curious to know more about your family's reaction, just because you and I both know, I mean, coming from a South Asian background can be very difficult to navigate when you're queer. So, and also coming out as trans, I just want to know the breakdown. Like, please tell me what their reaction was. So my mom like in our family has always been a joke that like my mom always wanted like me to be a son um like she's always been she was she's been obsessed with like having a son since I was like before I was born and everybody around my time thought that I was gonna be a boy but then my dad was like no no it's a girl for sure and I think my dad just jinxed it honestly like I get mad at him all the time I'm like you just let nature do its thing but so ever since then, like the joke has always been like, oh, you're such a tomboy because your mom wanted you to be like that. And so when I finally told my mom that I was like into girls, she was like, yeah, like I already see it. Like you're not somebody who can like really put up with guys. You are more of the guy. So I was like, oh, OK, great. But when I told cool. when I came out as trans, like I think that was the more scarier part because brown families can put can ignore anything if I'm like if I'm gay if I was non-binary like that was just all ignored because you couldn't see anything like my name didn't change my appearance didn't change 
But as soon as I came out as trans, my family was like, oh, okay, because there's like medical procedures involved, there's legalities involved, there's this whole other world that we haven't been exposed to that was involved. So for them, their reaction was just a lot of concern. Um, there wasn't a lot of like, oh, what will people say, uh, especially from my like immediate family. Um, it was more just like, I don't know what's going to happen. And even right now, like my top surgery is in two days and my mom is terrified a lot more than me because she's like, I don't know if I'll be able to take care of you or this is such a big thing. Like, what if you regret it? And it's not like, oh, what if you regret it? Don't do it. It's like, I don't know how to help you navigate that if you do regret it. Um, yeah. But so just like kind of reassuring to her that, you know, I've always kind of felt this way. I'm not going to regret it. And even if I wasn't a guy, even when I didn't have these feelings of being a trans guy, I was always still interested in top surgery. But I then soon realized that, you know, not a lot of people, not normally women do not think of just having top surgery. Um, so that's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Like that's something. Th- so how early on did you think about that? Ever since like I started developing, I was like, mm no, 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 this is all wrong. I don't like this at all. In fact, in like grade two or three, when I finally realized that boys were going into a different bathroom because they had a handle, I was like, that's crazy. I need to grow one right now. So I started like asking people and I was like, so dad, you just have a holder? I want one. And he was like, you you don't get a holder. And I was like, that's not nice. And it was just like, really, it was so confusing (laughs) to me. Um, yeah but for my family it was like it was okay uh I would just say like my family has been like my number one supporter um even my brother as soon as I told my brother he was like I'm so glad you were such an ass sister I hope you'll be a better brother and I was like oh thanks (laughs) great so you're like okay okay. I mean I think I think that's a compliment I'll take it I'll take it that's very sweet how old's your brother he's 12 right now oh (laughs) that is so cute And I feel like that's really interesting. Also, like from his perspective, being young, I think it's such an innocent way to like say, yeah, like hope you'll probably be a better brother or hope you'll be a better brother. I think that's very, very cute. Yeah. So when it comes down to this, though, what helped you like make the decision to like finally do the transition? Was there a certain person who kind of helped you through that or because you had these feelings already internally? Was it more of like a solo experience? Honestly, after, so I moved out of my family home in Markham in February, and I was exposed to the queer community in Toronto right away. Um, And before that, there was not a lot of exposure in Markham. I just, like, there was no queer person. Like, even being gay was very, like, different and very just like, oh, what? It was like the talk of the high school if you were, like, gay or you had a girlfriend. But over here, like, it's like everywhere you go, it's just so normalized I think that's what kind of pushed me to just accept it because I was like, this is where I want to be. This is the community I want to be a part of. And I'm not like, obviously not saying this to like fit in, but there's just, it's so normalized here that you don't kind of have to have the hesitancy that you would if you weren't like in downtown Toronto. Um, So for me, it was just like finally having that space to think by myself, expose myself to people who were like, more like-minded um that really just pushed me into thinking about transitioning mm-hmm. um, and yeah as I said earlier like Ali was definitely a huge supporter throughout the entire thing so yeah 
That's amazing. Being in an environment like that and the people you surround yourself with is so life-changing, especially coming from Markham. It's night and day. <laughs> it really is. Like I had no non-binary friends until I moved down here. And then suddenly I have no cis friends. I have like five cis friends. Like, <laughs> it's so weird. I mean, even same for me growing up in Whitby, Ontario, like the moment I stepped into Toronto, I was like, oh my gosh, the world. Yeah. It's amazing. Whitby? Uh, no, non-binary. What is that? Cows. Non-binary yeah. cows. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, yeah. That makes me really happy. Um, but tell me about Brown Boy Beauty. That is a TikTok series that you started. What is it and what inspired you to start it? Honestly, it was a kind of, I just randomly started it one day. I realized that I was looking at how to start testosterone or what would the procedure be. And usually I would Google th these things, but there was just, my algorithm was picking up on so much trans content that I was like, okay, let's just surf around on TikTok. Every single trans person I came across was white, fit, three years into that transition, had top surgery. And I was like, wow, I feel really kind of like left out of this already. So for me, and then being a part of like a group that was like, hey, I might want top surgery or like, hey, I don't know how to start testosterone. Like I was like, there needs to be more representation. And even growing up, like I had absolutely no representation. Like they, it just didn't exist in the Brown community. Like there was transgender women uh, who were kind of like part of Indian cultural just like society, but it was like, oh, they're shunned or, oh, they're just so put apart from communities and uh, societies that people are scared of them. They can like curse you. And it was just so extreme that I was like, okay, you know what? Let's just not even talk about it or think about it. But Brown Boy Beauty for me, was just, it's like the lack of representation is what I needed to solve because even though the content I post doesn't only apply to South Asian people, if I can like, if there's like a 12 year old younger version of me sitting out there and they're just like, oh, like do brown trans guys exist? And they see my face pop up, like I would be more than happy to like change their like perception of everything. Um, so that's kind of what sparked it originally. That matters. That absolutely matters, right? Because it's it's something as little as that. Like I even feel if I even saw more gay brown girls in media, just being like a gay South Asian, you know, that was like nothing. It just, when people can see themselves in you, it is so incredible what that can do to a young person. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was a driving factor for me to start it. I know you had mentioned this before in your TikTok series, but I want to dive into a little bit more. Can you tell us about like some of the lifestyle changes you've had to make to also like support your transition as you lead up to it? Medically, obviously, like I've started testosterone. Um, so that looks like injecting once a week um, according to your prescription. And even that process is like pretty, pretty intense. You have to go for like monthly follow-ups, monthly blood tests. There's a lot of tests that you have to do uh, in order to be on testosterone. There's a lot of dietary changes that you should be on. So for me, like being 20 and not being able to drink because of the testosterone is like huge because what 20 year old during parties doesn't drink. But for me, it was like, you got to like pick and choose in like more mentally, like I've, you know, started referring to myself as like a boy. And that was like a big thing for me originally. 
Um, legally, I've changed my name, changed my gender, or like sex on my birth certificate, got a haircut, wear more men's clothing. I'm having top surgery in two days. I think these are pretty generic things that I've done, but more like little things are just like, you know, fixing your home decor. That was a big one for me as well. Like that's kind of exciting. It really is. Like my house used to be very minimalist because I thought like color was too girly, but then I was like, no, wait, there's like manly decor out there that makes me feel like cool, but not like ugly man cave. It's like very like woods. <laughs> yeah. Like what is your aesthetic? I, I haven't been to your place in a hot second, so I don't know if it's changed. Well, my place is very um, inspired by my partner because Allie hates woods. But if it were up to me, like I would definitely have a lot more woods. Um, you would definitely have I more. I would. would. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just like very deep uh, walnutty or chestnut woods with like blacks, emerald green, gray, navy, just like a very dark aesthetic. I love candles. I love my turntable. Just like a very, I, I feel like I'm like a 1970 cabin vibe person. Yeah, I love that. 1970s cabin, right? Cabin. That's a really yeah. good way to describe that. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like hard to play around with like in a downtown condo because everything. You is- can make it happen. I could, but I don't really want to invest money into this place because I'm not really going to be here for that long. Um, but wait, that's if fair. I do get a place of my own, like that is definitely my vibe. That's fair. This is actually a side note, but I went to my cousin's place last night. He just bought in the junction. He was renting forever and now he finally purchased his home. And we were both just talking about how fun it is to kind of like really make something your own and like make it exactly how you've always visioned. Cause you're right. When you're kind of renting, it's like, even for me, I know I'm not going to be in my place for like long-term, long-term. So yeah. you don't want to go wild. Yeah. Yeah. So you get the cheapest Ikea table and you get like some like rickety shit off of Facebook marketplace and make it look better. But like, yeah, listen, saving money over here. Yeah, Honestly, you just make it work. (laughs) How do you feel about trans representation in the media now? I know we literally barely saw anything when we were growing up, but I think there's more rep, but I'm curious to know your thoughts. I feel like trans representation it has a long way to go but like everything has a long way to go in my opinion they I don't see any South Asian or East Asian trans people in the media at all um when people think trans it's true that they only do think about like again very white very transitioned the only way you can tell that they're trans is because of their top surgery scars um Mm. and that's like oh yeah you're trans but for me, like, this doesn't make sense because anybody, the definition of trans is like, you don't identify with the gender that you were assigned at at birth. And so that can literally mean anybody who's non-binary, who's gender fluid, who's, you know, just identifies as anything other. Um, But I feel like people have this misconception that's like, oh, like you're taking up space under the umbrella. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like, this is an imaginary umbrella. There is no space there's no space like it's just yeah for me it's it's very hard to wrap my head around the fact that like people will always be saying they're taking up space and just like calling themselves trans when they're really not trans and I'm like who are you to determine that so right why does that matter exactly so with the way media has portrayed it is like no you have to be like transgender and like only with the other sex to classify so I'm like um 
No. What are these rules? Exactly. And for me, it's like the entire queer community is the foundation is fluidity. Yes. Fluid gender. Plus, plus, plus. Like. Exactly. Exactly. There's a plus side. When there's like these like rigid rules, I'm just like, what is happening here? And I feel like it's just people not accepting and even people in the community not accepting like the people have struggles as well. Like, yes, as a transgender man, I have more medical struggles than somebody who is not medically transitioning because they identify as gender fluid. Mm-hmm. Yes, but like all of our struggles and challenges are like pretty much the same. In five years, I can look like a man and I won't be misgendered, but that person for the rest of their life is probably going to be misgendered and their pronouns are going to be messed up. Like, like the struggles are different, but everyone's struggles are struggles. Yes. Yeah, so... Yeah, not I'm not a huge fan of the way people are representing trans people in the media and even not including them as a part of cis communities. Like at the end of the day, trans men are men, but mm-hmm. nobody really like recognizes that. Um, yeah. In their ad campaigns or like any product that's like diverted towards women or for men, it they automatically, when they say that, trans people know that they're not talking about trans people so right. it's just like not a long way to go in my opinion but yeah a long way to go but hopefully it is getting there because I was gonna ask you have you watched the new like l word gen q I forget if we've talked about this I don't watch the l word because for me it was like if you're gay you obviously watch the l word I'm like ha, I'm not gonna watch it like <laughs> out of like spite <laughs> so I don't really watch the l word <laughs> Yeah. Well, they have um, a trans character in the new one. They also did in the OG. I just, I'm kind of working my way through the OG because I haven't seen all of it. Mm-hmm. It's very old, like so old school, kind of bad, but also kind of good because, I mean, we needed that. I mean, I would have thrived if I watched that at like 13, 14. But uh, they have a trans character named Micah, and he is East Asian. And I I like the way they're showing off his story as well, because I also feel like it's very natural. And um, they touch upon a little bit of his story in the beginning, but it's very much like he is just this guy dating a girl in the series. They're like, I don't think this is going to give too many spoilers if you decide to watch, but they're looking to like have a baby together, all this stuff. And I think the writers did a good job of like showing his story in a way that can be relatable and not so like here's so much emphasis on Micah being trans you know like he's just a guy in this series that's actually really nice to know I might actually watch it now because of that yeah you should actually yeah do it and let me know what you think and Kehlani is a guest star Ooh, okay yeah (laughs) don't spoil anything else it's fine okay who who knew who knew I don't know What do you think are the biggest challenges and misconceptions that trans people face? Oh, wow. Okay, so... That's a big... It's a big question. It's a big question. So for me, I can only speak to personal experience. So for me, I think the biggest challenge is just really wrapping my head around how difficult the process is to transition. Even like from like your first step is just the whole system is rigged to make it so hard for you to transition and getting through that process is like, if you don't have a proper support system, if you don't have a, like a strong backbone, it's really hard to get through that process. Like medically, everybody still calls you your 
legal name, which is some like most often not the name that people like trans people choose to go with. Changing your name is such an expensive process. You have to pay for the lawyers to sign off on your papers. You have to pay for the actual name change. Your passport has to change everything. Like it's it's a lengthy, very tedious, very annoying process. You have to get like 10 different letters from family physicians that recommend you for surgery. You need to- 10 different letters? There's three to change your sex, one to change your name. I think two recommendation letters to get- any type of government funded surgery. And then you have to multiply that by two because you're probably getting top and bottom surgery. But for bottom surgery, if you get like a phalloplasty is like one more letter. And it's just, it's ridiculous in my opinion. Like the whole system is rigged to just keep trans people out of the system, like out of, com- out of the community or just closeted for as long as possible. So it's easier for their census. That's entirely their, their count. And- That's very sad. It is very sad because when I, like, I've gotten pretty far into the process of, like, changing my name and everything, but for somebody who doesn't have, like, getting a lawyer's appointment, I got it through my dad because we, like, have a lot of connections in the family, but for somebody whose family has cut them out, like, getting to a lawyer is not an easy thing. Getting a family physician who respects and trusts, like, you for like okay yes I am feeling gender dysphoria if they don't refer you right away to a like a psychologist it's like very rare but why why do you need a psychologist for you to determine like well who are you to tell me if I'm facing gender dysphoria or not so I think that's the biggest challenge another thing is just the lack of and I hate to say this it's just there's so many old people still living like, I love interacting with younger people my age, even up to 30, but anybody beyond 30 has just made up their mind about how society and life should be. And I'm not saying all 30-year-olds are like this. It's just the majority of people I've talked to are just so stuck in their ways about like, oh, you can't transition. God's made you this way. It's this for a reason. And it's just, I'm like, wow, you guys are just so ridiculously just stuck in your own ways and it's taken a lot it's taken the past six months for people in my family my closest family friends to like get a hang of my name and my pronouns and I'm just like yeah it's because I'm constantly correcting them but if I wasn't if I didn't have the courage to do that which a lot of people don't because transitioning is pretty hard like they would just feel like pushed back into the closet and so I think yeah. that is just the the biggest challenges is that fundamentals of society are just it's meant to keep trans people out of out of like the world. Right. So that's pretty sad. And I think a big misconception about trans people is just that this is our entire personality. Mm. Yes, for me, like my public like forum and everything online is yes about being trans because it's such an important thing. There's such a big population of trans South Asian people who need to see the representation. But again, as you said, like, it's not just about being trans. There are so many more layers of like personality of emotions that people don't acknowledge about trans mm-hmm. people. It's just like, as soon as you say you're trans, it's like, oh, like, that's it. You know, I am the trans guy. Like, I'm just uh, like, well, you're like, there's so much more to me. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Like, this is my identity. But that's so much there's so much more to that. I I feel like a lot of queer people 
as well, even just in the, anyone in the community, I think faces that even for me sometimes, yes, like I have a gay podcast, but I do find that there's more to me than just being like the gay brown girl with the podcast, you know? Yeah. But I mean, hey, we're both doing good things. Like we're, it's good to be speaking out mm-hmm. about these things publicly. Like it's good to have that representation because clearly it's lacking. Yeah. I just wish like, I mean, now that you say it out loud, like it's not just about like being trans. It's like your defining quality is always just like the success that you bring. Like, hey, you know, this guy, the doctor, this guy, the lawyer. It's yes. not like this guy who really enjoys art. No, it's like how you bring in the money or like how people view you. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like your public facing yeah. persona. Yeah. Social media is pretty big for that, right? Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, what advice do you have for someone who is thinking about transitioning or in the process? I would say don't doubt yourself because here is the biggest thing. People who are cis, they don't have these thoughts. And for me to accept that was the biggest thing ever. Like I was like, oh, I don't like my chest, but I don't like hate it. It's because I've been ignoring it. And people who like their body features they don't have these thoughts it's like when I asked my mom like oh would you ever get top surgery she's like no that would be like equivalent of me cutting my arm off and I was like is it really that intense (laughs) like like it so for me it's just like the self-doubt really gets in the way so if you are somebody who is planning on transitioning it doesn't have to be this like huge grand gender reveal you can just come out to yourself or wherever you feel safe but just don't doubt yourself like journal about it ask a lot of people, talk to people who you know are like in the similar process as you. But yeah, just just believe yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to not. The self-doubt is real, I think for many people, right? So you have to have that inner confidence, which I really applaud you for, for really knowing yourself. Because when you really think about it, it could be very easy to just be like, oh no, maybe I not. Just, like gaslight yourself into believing that you're not. I was like, okay, wait, hello. <laughs> Because it's society. It really is. Are there any like prominent trans people that you look up to now? Like anyone in the media that you're like, I'm so happy that they're out here like doing this and spreading more awareness. Like who are your inspirations? Not really anyone. I You're like myself. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, me and myself, because again, like it is so hard to find you I okay like another thing is like I would align myself with somebody if I saw that representation but I don't see that representation um there's one trans South Asian guy but he looks like extremely cis so I'm like wow okay what do I even relate to over here you're like six years in your journey and so I'm like okay this is great but I have had a lot of people tell me like oh you're like my biggest like idol and I'm like oh wow that's great like pressure but like there's not a huge no like I don't have a role model like that I want to get into a little bit more about like queer spaces and QSAW network so you're the director of operations at QSAW network and for those of you who don't know that stands for the queer South Asian women's network it's a nonprofit organization that works to connect and visibilize diasporic LGBTQ plus women trans and non-binary South Asians so can you tell us a bit more about your involvement with QSA? Like, how did you find out about it and all the all those things? So 
actually found it in the weirdest way possible. I was just finished unpacking for this place and I sat down and I was scrolling on TikTok and I came across Allie making chai for the chai and chill series. And I was like, whoa, what kind of person just boils their tea in milk because for me I've always seen people boil it in water first so for me I think the curiosity was like okay I gotta meet this person like this like psycho who's making chai and like milk right away so um she had a link and that same day I was like you know what I'll join like this is pretty cool and it was coming up in like two and a half hours so I cleaned up my place took a shower I sat down and I joined the link and I was like wow there are so many brown queer people in Canada and it was just like an eye opener because it was like at least 90 people on that call or like, I think at least wow. like 60 to 90. Like I couldn't even flip through the screens because like, you know how Zoom kind of just carousels the screens? I wasn't even counting the screens. Yes. So I we got like mashed into breakout rooms and I was meeting all these cool people and talking to them. But obviously, like I was like, I was very fixated on Ali because I was like, wow, you're like gorgeous. This is weird. Um but big crush yeah big crush um <laughs> so yeah I we got mashed in a room and we started talking but at this point Allie was pretty like drunk so <laughs> we didn't really get to talk much about it was it was pretty huh? funny like um so she reached out to me later on that month and she was like hey like you do you want to grab a drink and I was like yeah for sure let's do it so we started talking and we went to three places the first time we met and distinctly, I remember like the first place, we just became like the best of friends. The second place, we just talked about work and CUSA. And I was like, I really want to be a part of this organization. Like, I know it's for women and I'm kind of non-binary. And as soon as I said that, Ali was like, no, no, the name is just like that to keep cis men out of there. And I was like, smart. That's so smart. So I was like, yeah, like, I definitely want to be a part of this. And I like, I don't want just like a side role. Like, I want to be involved with this. And Ali was like, ah funny you say that we have the director of operations position available so I had my interview and I met amazing people on the team and we organized like the picnic and all these like events and so for me it's just it's been so life-changing because I meet so many people through it a lot of people reach out to me being like hey you're just such an inspiration because what you're doing is great it was really fun that's how I saw it that's how I kind of became a part of it yeah that's my story it was just a TikTok of Ali making tea the wrong way. I didn't know it was through a TikTok, actually. I, I didn't know how you started. That's actually funny to think about. Yeah, I've been dating that cycle for a past year now, so it's funny. And you were like, who is this? I'm intrigued, but also what? So wait, when did you officially start as the director of operations? When was that? Uh, March 18th. So oh, okay. Pretty, like I think like a month after Ali and I met. Got it. Uh, the, the interview process was pretty lengthy because it... Because it's a board position, it has to be like circuit, like properly curated. The interview has to be curated by like all of the board members. So that was pretty hard to get to, but it was really fun. Oh, that's really good. Well, I mean, to get into this, because I feel like we need to have more queer spaces in the city. Why do you think that, you know, like in person, but even virtual queer events are so important for not even just the South Asian community, but just like everyone in general? I think as humans, like we gravitate towards like being together and having a sense of belonging. And so when you find people who are like like minded, like even when the World Cup going on right now, if you go to any bar while the game is going, you're going to find people who are like like minded, who's like rooting for the same team or, you know, have this like shared interest of soccer. So 
having those queer spaces or just like exactly that just translated into being queer like you have something that you can relate to and you have these struggles that are pretty similar like all across the board and when you share those you kind of like oh like you kind of feel my pain or you like feel my happiness in some way mm-hmm. um so that like relating to that is just so important because it can be really isolating being queer and South Asian, but just being queer in general is pretty isolating. But my perception of like being queer and South Asian is like, you're part of two different minority groups. So you're just like funneled minority. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty so rough happy. sometimes. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's not fun, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it just, it's, it's important because you need to find your people. What are some of the events you guys have? So every month we have a chai and chill series, um, which is really nice because the chai and chill is kind of just focusing on 12 different, very, very different, like just aspects of life. So there is a speed dating, there's a speed friending for your socialization. And then there's, yeah, there's, (laughs) (laughs) there is a financial literacy one that we just had, which was pretty important because, you know, there's this misconception that like queer people don't really know what to do with their money and they're like not really good at finances or like really bad at math which is not true I'm actually really good at math I didn't but know I, that was a thing that was like yeah, that actually like I don't know where I I heard this from but it's, it's a very common misconception that queer people just suck at math well I do suck at math Persis, uh, I do <laughs> I'm the one who started that oh <laughs> it's you it's you it's me um and then we have a bunch of ones that are like very therapeutic, very like breathe, just be grounded. And then there's like a lot of like, hey, how to stop procrastination? What do you do if you have ADHD? So it's just like, again, doing all these things, but just like tailoring it more to like queer South Asian struggles. Um, so those are our try and chill series. And then we have a few in-person events. Like we just had the picnic in summer, in the summertime, uh, June 4th, which was really nice because you just get to see like everybody in person but I feel like now that like COVID's like actually actually gone or not like gone but just like super duper died down um, yes we might just like look for more more things to do in person yeah that's a good idea yeah for you yeah for me I I will come because I haven't had a chance to come to any of the in-person stuff yet because I know the beach day I was in Kingston what beach day the June 4th one that was in a beach. Oh, sorry. Picnic. I was like, okay. I was like, uh, I was invited to a beach day. <laughs> like, yeah. The director of operations was not involved in the I beach was not day. Invited. They were not invited. <laughs> but yeah, no, there needs to be a beach day for sure. I'm rooting for a beach day to happen in the summer. Like that, that just needs to happen. Oh, yeah. there has to be some winter stuff we could do as well. Maybe skating. I was going to do skating. Yeah. I love skating. Um, I'm really but- bad at skating. Really? No, but skating is such a great first date or like get to know somebody idea because then you can hold them without having an excuse to hold yeah, them. Yeah, that's true. Because you're like, I'm and actually going to fall. Hands, you're like, oh my God. Then you can like pretend to be bad at it. And then you're like, oh yeah, I'm falling into your arms. <laughs> like, <laughs> Perfect. Or like, well, you know, you're my wingman. So like, we'll yeah, make it happen. For sure. I'm a great skater. So I'll just like push you onto people and be like, oh, guys, I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but skating definitely needs to happen. I think when I'm like recovered and skating rinks are like a little bit more free in February, we might like do some skating. That's a good idea. Like indoor rink, just rent out the whole rink. 
Yeah. Or even like the rink at Trinity Bellwoods would probably be cute. Go on like a really quiet night. Oh, okay. But I don't think you can rent out the whole thing. See, my thing is like, I don't mind being in a public place, but if somebody gets like an awkward interaction with like somebody not part of, you know, the group, of course, I just don't want people to feel uncomfortable. It's like, you are coming to just be you. So yeah, that's fair. That space for you. But yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. But rink rental would be very nice. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A rink rental would be a great winter activity. Maybe there's like an app price skate that I can host, which is just, I don't know. I'm offering up my place, but maybe not. It's too small. Always do that process. Is there, is there an ulterior motive here? (laughs) I listen, I'll provide the cocktails or non-alcoholic bevies, hot chocolate. And that's where I thrive. I'm not a skater, but I can host a little app price and beer pong. Exactly. That's a staple, but yeah, like definitely we can, we can definitely do something. Like perfect that. I'm gonna be the intern for QSA I would love that actually if I could just be like yeah persis we're gonna make this happen just remind me in like the next two weeks yeah. exactly no problem <laughs> like the secretary like the oh that's hot anyways no. I'll thrive <laughs> <laughs> um well yeah. honestly thank you so much for being a part of this conversation that was basically all I had for you but do you have any like final thoughts or any like Words of wisdom you want to leave with the girl on girl peeps? Words of wisdom. I am only 20. So my wisdom is like literally starts at 2002. And I'm just going to make 2002. You feel oh, God, you're so old. 2002. I was seven. I think and... words of wisdom would be a candle is usually just. Oh my God. <laughs> um no words of wisdom is just like love all that's really sweet that's really sweet actually and be yeah just to be open and also think just like hearing stories like yours and I I just don't know anyone who would hear this and not like just say like I want you to be happy yeah you, I mean, you'd be surprised. and I want you to you'd just be surprised there are a lot of people who are like no God didn't make you that way but for those oh yeah I don't know what to do about those, but whatever. It's tough. Actually, just a quick sidebar. Like, did you grow up in a religious family? I actually grew up in a extremely Christian um, upbringing because my first six years of development or first six years of just existence was all in a very, very Christian elementary school. And then I got pushed directly into a very Hindu school after that. So for me, I've just been taught two very opposite things of religion but it's just very cult-like um positions I've been in so for the longest time I didn't believe in religion but I've kind of like derived my own meaning yeah so yeah growing up I was very religious but not by choice just by like association I guess yeah Yeah. association environment it's kind of just like what you know yeah yeah I understand that Okay, well, this was lovely. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. All right, friends, for in case you missed it this episode, I really wanted to talk about Noah Schnapp. 
the star of Stranger Things, he confirms that both he and his character are gay. On a recent TikTok, Noah had said, I guess I'm more similar to Will than I thought. So this is actually a very cool situation where life and art are totally coming together. And Noah actually officially came out as gay six months after confirming his character Will's sexuality. Noah went on to say, and this was on his TikTok video, when I finally told my friends and family I was gay after being scared in the closet for 18 years, all they said was, we know. So I know um, prior to this uh, fourth season of Stranger Things, Noah was apparently dodging a lot of questions whether or not Will was gay, insisting that it's kind of up to the audience's interpretation. He went on to say that it was all part of shielding the show's ultimate reveal. And he said, you know, it was pretty clear at that point that Will had feelings for Mike. So he just wanted to respect that there was going to be an announcement of that, but people could kind of pick up on the vibes. I'm really happy for Noah. I mean, I will always say this. It makes me really happy to see more actors coming out publicly about their sexuality. And it's not that anyone necessarily needs to I feel like people always struggle with the if it's my personal life why do I need to speak so publicly about it that is just for me to know that's my inner world it has nothing to do with my work but like we say on the podcast it's important to see this representation there's a young gay kid who watches stranger things and can now identify with Noah Schnapp coming out as gay even outside of the character because There were many moments when I was growing up, and even if you saw a gay character on a show, you could relate to the character, but sometimes it still felt like that was in its own little world, and it didn't feel like it was relevant to your real life, you know? So more representation matters, and Noah, we're so happy that you were open to speak about this, and we love you. Come on the podcast. That would make our entire dreams come true. Anyway, pals, thank you so much for tuning into this episode with Ayan Dalal. Once again, Ayan, thank you for being a part of this conversation. And tune in in the next couple of weeks. And please, guys, I am chilling on my own on this island here. So if you guys have any topic suggestions, please let your girl P know. You can DM us at girlxgirlpodcast on Instagram or send us an email at girlxgirlpodcast at gmail.com. I love you guys so much and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks.